your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to another episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and as we have done every single Iowa game, we are breaking it down with former Iowa running back LaShawn Daniels. Before we get to that, though, I want to thank you all for making this Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at, and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. LaShawn. Before we get into the fact that we finally get a cover win, I want to ask you, how are you doing today, man? We're good. We're good. We're doing great. Um, you know, the sun is out this morning. Um, you know, we're feeling good, uh, energized, and obviously happy that the Hawks won. So um, we're, we're doing great, man. So how about yourself? I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, I woke up at 5 a.m. and was wondering why am I up right now and then realized we had an extra hour of sleep. So that was phenomenal. Don't You have a little girl, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does uh how does she handling the fallback of, of time? Uh, I don't think she really notices. I mean, she's like knocked out most of the time, um, <laughs> and then if not, like she'll just like be playing in her room, um, before we'll even come and get her. So like she's usually pretty pretty good with the time changes and everything. So um, yeah, it's weird. It's definitely a little weird. Uh, yeah, but you're, I'm not complaining. Yeah, you're making parenting sound very easy, man. You're like, oh, yeah. she's up. She just hangs out by herself. And we're totally fine. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, she's like everyone who like has ever like watched her is like, yeah, she's definitely like the easiest like child I've ever had to watch ever. So um, I'm not complaining at all. Yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. And also, I can't complain about the fact that for the first time in one month, we get to talk about an Iowa win. Um, and there is a lot to unpack with this game. Uh, Spencer Petras, we, we knew we had some injury potential coming into this game. He didn't look good. Now, to be fair, he hasn't really looked good for about a month and a half now at this point or month. They take him out. They put Alex Padilla in. A very shocking turn of you know events for Kirk Barron's in this Iowa offense. He gets in, and Alex Padilla... He looked pretty good. So we got to talk about that. The defense finally got pressure on the defensive line. Holy crap, it's been a while. Uh, but that defensive line was cooking uh, last night in Northwestern. Um, it did become a close game towards the end, so I want to talk about that as well. But let's start with the, the big thing. Alex Padilla, Spencer Petras, um, were you shocked to see Kirk turn to Alex um, late in the first quarter? Uh, yeah, because at first I didn't even notice it. <laughs> I got didn't even notice that at first because i was actually at the game um because oh I mean, you're at the game yeah so i mean uh North i mean guess it's in your hometown yeah you're close to it yeah it's literally like like right up the street it took me minutes to get there uh so i figured you might as well go like i didn't even notice it at first um that he was in uh but you know i know that's something that uh coach parents very rarely does um so i figured you know something had to be up obviously spencer wasn't able to play at all really wasn't able to play at all i mean that throws that were in the dirt um you know just wasn't just wasn't being effective um you know back there at all so i mean obviously to get some type of jolt um to, to the offense right throwing out in there just made more sense um so i was shocked at first because i knew like that's something coach Ferentz doesn't do and it's like i see like guys hurt 
experience this real life situation like so you gotta get someone else in there because we can't even move we can't move the football we can't even throw a five yard out like we gotta have someone else in there um to make some plays yeah it was um it was definitely shocking to obviously see alex come in there but and and you don't want to you want spencer to be healthy i want spencer to be in a good spot but you gotta you gotta look at what alex badillo was able to do and be very very impressed with how he came into that game and was able to quickly pick things up, was able to make several throws. The offense looked like it was humming. Um, and it just looked very decisive in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I, I agree there. Um, and granted, Northwestern is, is not as good Northwestern team as they have. Yeah, they're, they're bad. We should be right. clear there. It's not a right. good Northwestern program. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like we're last year, right? You know, they had what they had two first round picks last year or something. Better one, uh, yep, their team, but uh, yeah, this is not the team that they had last year. Um, but that being said, right, I mean, uh, the office needed, needed something, needed some, some more energy. Um, and having Alex in there, um, provided that. I know we've talked about the struggles of the offensive line, um, and you know, yesterday they played better. Um, they have the past few weeks again, um, defense wasn't as good as those, these other defenses, but, you know, the ability that Alex has um, to be able to move around in the pocket and be able to do rollouts and throw on the run accurately um, was really, really, I think, a game changer for the offensive line and, you know, them being able to protect um, Alex always back there. Because, I mean, for the most part, it seemed like Alex had time to throw, and if he didn't, he was able to move around in the pocket and be able to step up find at least some at least find a receiver and be able to give them a, give them a chance to make a play on the football. So um yeah, I know this that was something that we talked about last week and I know how I mentioned that I'm a grand I'm a mobile cracks. I mean it I mean, because it just alleviates so much so much stress off your offensive line, especially the young offensive line that we have and the struggles that we've had. Um it just alleviates that pressure. Um they they can't just put everybody up there and um you know, your years back and go rush a passer um, because we have mobile quarterback and then it also helped open things up in the run game, which we did see a lot of it yesterday. And we, you know, had pretty good success on the ground in comparison to basically what we've had in the past month and a half, right? It feels like so. Um, Completely agree. I think when you mentioned being a mobile quarterback, the play that really sticks out in my mind is – we're at the we're on the goal line. It's late in the first half. Alex Padilla does a rollout and actually looks like he could do the roll, right? I mean, anytime you do a rollout with Spencer Petras, you have to be concerned about the backside defensive end just crashing on him and taking him down. Alex Padilla does a rollout and delivers a beautiful pass to Keegan Johnson on a comeback route. I mean, Al- Alex was able to throw the run. Spencer cannot do that. Uh, he, Spencer cannot get out of the pocket like that and, and have an actual threat of potentially picking up the first down with your legs or delivering a beautiful pass like that. The other thing you mentioned was um, being a little bit aggressive, taking a couple shots to Keegan Johnson down the field. We have not seen Spencer Petras be willing to throw those kind of balls. Now, maybe it's PTSD from last year. Maybe it's coach speak trying to tell him, you know, be very uh, careful with the ball, but you gotta you gotta challenge these secondaries and you gotta put the you know give your oper- give your wide receiver some opportunities, which I thought he did that in this game, at least in those first four drives. Um, yeah. anything else you want to add to Alex Padilla before we get into what I what I think is kind of some interesting play calling in that second half? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, really, I obviously just give uh, Alex a ton of credit um, for coming in there and, you know, making plays, obviously, but the offense needed to jolt. Um, and obviously, I love seeing him um, take some shots. Just give, just give the guys a chance, right? I mean, you got yeah. good you got uh, good receivers out there, especially Keegan. I think he's really emerging as the best receiver on the team, um, to be quite honest. And, you know, giving him a chance, um, a couple deep shots, I think, was huge. And he also even – know drew a pi like i mean that's gonna be wonders for the offense you know moving forward here and you know obviously he's still supporting um spencer and um you know i think he was obviously being a great teammate um so uh you know but definitely excited for you know alex's uh progression that we'll see hopefully for these next few weeks so yeah do you uh so are you fall in on the alex badia express train because i am I mean, yeah. I mean, if he he's in there, I mean, he's clearly. I mean, uh, if you just look at it, I mean, this. Granted, again, it's not like we put up forty points yesterday. Um, yeah. But you know, when he was in the ball game, it just seemed like the offense just moved just better. It just moved better. Granted, Spencer could be hurt. I don't know what's going on. again. I don't know what's going on with Spencer. Um, you know whatsoever. But uh, the offense just moved better with Alex in, and it felt like. At least in the first half, the play calling opened up a little bit more with Alex in as well. So I'm full in on it. Um, again, I support the staff um, 100%. But really, I think um, really at this point, I think it, it just makes more sense. Just knowing that the struggles that we've had just to have Alex in there and really keep him in there for the rest of the year. So. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I want to, I have one other point I want to touch on with Alex Padilla here in a second, but I do want to remind you all that prize picks is, is here and it is freaking awesome for all of you college football fanatics out there. It is daily fantasy made easy. Prize picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world. And they offer all the star players of the power five, as well as mid-major players you might not have even heard of. And they offer any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. So if you had Andrew Marty, and is over on interceptions, you probably hit as Iowa took down Andrew Marty, got three interceptions in yesterday's game. Here's how it works, though. You pick two to five players, you pick an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10x on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers, and you can also combine sports as well. If you want to take some Iowa football players, combine them with some Iowa basketball players, maybe Keegan Murray in the points, maybe Alex Padilla and his rushing yard prop, go for it. Because you can do that at prizepicks.com. And right now, all of our listeners can get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 when you use the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use that promo code Locked On. Or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. And I want to thank you all again for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can listen to the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. Before we get to Alex Padilla, a couple of things. I'm going to throw you for a loop here for a second, LaShawn. Um, <laughs> first off, I want to say thank you to Arlen Bruce as our first NIL deal. We got in the game. We had Arlen Bruce supporting the show, and then he comes up big and has a touchdown run, which I want to talk about as well. Also, one of our sponsors is McDonald's. And LaShawn, uh, I have been having a, a conversation with my buddies, and they don't think I can eat 100 chicken nuggets in two hours. So we're talking a little bit about this. And I mentioned that McDonald's is now sponsoring the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. And they said, why don't you do a, a chicken nugget eating contest with LaShawn? So I wanted to bring that up with you. Would you ever be interested in having a live stream chicken nugget eating contest with me? And do you think you could win? 
I'll, of course, I'm I'm in. I, I think I, first off, I think I would win for sure. Twenty oh, uh, hundred nuggets, hundred nuggets. I think that yeah. could do that. I think I could do that for sure in two hours. Yeah, yeah, that's more than enough time. I thought so too. <laughs> I, I thought I was like, man, I could definitely do this, but they uh, they don't believe me. So we'll we'll have a challenge. We'll set it up. We'll figure out some time. Uh, see if we can't get that going. Uh, maybe get McDonald's <laughs> to, to sponsor it even on the show, but. Uh, I I feel like you didn't give me enough credit on how much I can eat, but I I'll take your dish and I will <laughs> I will I will raise you and we will we will see what happens here, man. Um, anyways, getting getting back to the show. So Alex Badia, I wanted to quickly touch on um one other thing. So we actually I've actually been in contact with Alex Badia's uh, quarterback coach back in Denver, uh, Tim Jenkins, awesome guy. Follow him at Jenkins Elite. Uh, he's going to actually be getting the all 22 of this game and coming on the show to break down everything he saw from Alex in this game. I did want to point out one thing. You mentioned play calling, and especially I feel like those four drives, this first four drives Alex Padilla was in, I thought the play calling was really aggressive, and it was also it was good from a running perspective as well. They weren't just, just they weren't just saying we're going to run the ball right up the middle. We're going to tell you exactly we're running the ball based off of how we line up and how we have a power on one side. They were doing some misdirection. I mean that Tyler Goodson forty yard dash for before that second touchdown. I mean that was misdirection with the tight end then pulling outside. I thought that was awesome. You saw a lot of jet sweep motion, jet sweep even some play actions with that. Um, I I just. I wanted to basically point out, I thought the play calling was phenomenal. I also thought they put Alex Padilla in a position to make big plays easy, right? Giving him one-on-one coverage slant to Charlie Jones. I mean, those are things that you take three steps, you fire it in as long as you make the right read. So um, I guess that's the last thing I wanted to cover on Alex Padilla. Any thoughts on that before we uh, turn our attention to the second half? Uh, no, I think that's really pretty much on point um, how I felt like the first half went. Uh, so yeah, no, I don't have anything there. All right, so the second half, oh gosh, I, I think this is where people get frustrated. I was telling you before, um, there I'm in an Iowa Hawkeye Twitter uh, DM convo and not a lot of happiness after this game, which we win. I, I'm happy. It's Northwestern. Anytime we can survive versus Northwestern, I'll take the W. I didn't think it was going to be pretty. It felt like once Iowa got up 17-3, to though, and granted, it very easily could have been 21-3. to Keegan Johnson does drop that ball in the end zone. Um, thought he could have caught that. Thought he should have caught that, I should say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like Iowa took their foot off the pedal and said, you know what? We're just trying to get out of here at the W. We're going to let our defense do do its job, which it did. But it felt like Iowa got incredibly, incredibly stale on offense um, after that. Do you feel like that's a product of Kirk Ferentz and his philosophy and just we do what we need to do to win? Or do you feel like the offense really did stall out? Northwestern made adjustments. Just wanted to get your thoughts on all that. Uh, I mean, I it's, think it's just a, it's a combination of both. Most of the time, it is a combination of both. I mean, um, you know, I, you get into the second half, um, you know, you go down, you have the drive, right? You're up 17-3. I mean, Northwestern hasn't shown us anything that they've uh, been able to move the football whatsoever. So um, it's like at that point, obviously, you're just trying to – keep control of the football, not make any huge mistakes, not um, have any turnovers or anything like that. Um, so, you know, it's felt like though, like we were just being way too conservative and it's almost like we felt like you get into a point where instead of trying to win, you're just trying not to lose, which, you know, I, I get right. I and mean, you haven't had a win in like a month. So you're just, <laughs> you're trying to do whatever you can to not, you know, lose. But I mean, also with the other end of that, it's just like, 
you know, you're not moving the football. The defense is going to be, I mean, the defense is going to be out there the entire game. Um, obviously, you got to give credit to Northwestern. They made some changes. They made some adjustments. Um, you know, they changed up a few looks on the defensive end. Um, but I think it all still ends up coming back to us. And, you know, just felt like, you know, we weren't really just trying to push, push the envelope at all. I don't feel like we weren't um you know really trying to stretch the field as much obviously there were there were a couple plays in the second half where we were trying to take some shots we weren't able to hit on them um but you know really just felt like we were just playing not to lose in that second half and you know it and it almost bit us in the butt right because then at the end of the game end up got end up getting really close so it's a big i know it's a part of the philosophy it always has been right it's it's never a thing of you know us just going out there and blowing out every single team every single week it's just not um you know how how it's done in Iowa football but sometimes i do wish it, if we would do it like that and just just go out there and just keep you know keep the foot on the gas and just keep um you know doing the things that we were having success with and keep trying to stretch the field and just um you know, make the defenses, uh, make the opposing defense, you know, have to struggle to continue to defend us and obviously give our defense a, a huge break. Obviously, I know that we've been relying on defense a lot this year. And, you know, again, the defense has been doing a great job. But, you know, as an offensive guy myself, I would love for us to just, you know, continue to be aggressive and continue doing uh, things to create big plays and create explosive plays, um, you know, so we don't have to be in these this many close games. So. I completely agree. As uh, the great Herm Edwards says, you play to win the game. And I feel like we get in the second half and like you said, we're playing not to lose the game, which 90% of the time actually works out for Iowa. I mean, their defense is good. It worked out last night, but I think Iowa fans across the board would say, we just want to be comfortable. I was, I was at a comedy show. So I watched the first half on my phone. I was at a comedy show for the second half for a buddy's birthday. So I was like checking the updates. And then when I got home, I finally watched the the rest of the second half on, on the, um, on the TV and whatnot. But I was checking like, Oh my gosh, what is going on? Like, am I going to sit here and all of a sudden be so pissed off while I'm watching a comedian? Like that could very well be happening here, but it, it also puts Iowa in a bad situation that they're playing so conservative, but if they do make a mistake, there's not a lot of wiggle room for that mistake. The block, the blocked punt is a great example that Iowa's defense holds strong, but what if they don't? That block punt could have been a huge shift there, and Iowa doesn't have a lot of room to to really take that on the chin and say, you know what, that happened, fine, we get seven, let's go on and let's continue playing offense. It's it's frustrating to watch it, um, but it is what it is, and I don't think it's going to change. It's, it's been that way ever since Kirk has been here, really. I mean, that's just – that is the philosophy. It is what it is at this point. I would like to have seen us take a bit more shots, though. Um Northwestern is not a very good rushing defense team. They're one of the worst uh, rush defenses in the entire country. Um, before the show, before this week, I actually predicted, you know, Tyler can maybe go 150. I thought Gavin can maybe go 50. It's actually pretty close on that. Tyler went 140, Gavin went 40. Wanted to get your thoughts on Gavin running the football, though. Um, really our first extended time of seeing Gavin with the ball in his hands. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always uh, fun when young guys get in there and, um, you know, have extended uh, playing time and you know I thought he did I did a pretty good job again I was I I didn't have like an end zone view so I couldn't see um you know like the holes and everything but I mean for the most part it seemed like he was making the right reads um you know most of the time was running with good pad level uh so 
you know, it's exciting to see young guys get in there and, you know, have a, have a good day. I mean, averaging over four yards a carry is, is again, that's, that's big uh, for your football team. Um, so he's definitely has, definitely has some ability um, for sure. Um, so I'm excited to see him, you know, continue t- to grow and get better and better each week. Um, and obviously just to, yesterday was obviously a start to that. So I'm really excited for his development because obviously he seems like a good player. The coaches trust him um, to be out there, which is another huge factor. I mean, to be a young guy and be able to be out there and, um, you know, have the coaches have that trust in you is is huge. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought he, I thought he played pretty well. Uh, the moment was not too big for him. And mm-hmm. Tyler Goodson, I mean, you know this better than anyone. Running backs have such a short shelf life. Uh there's only so many opportunities you have. Tyler Goodson could very well be looking at the NFL this year. Maybe not as much. I know his, his draft stock, I think, has dropped a little bit, um, for better or for worse, from an Iowa perspective. Uh, so he may be coming back. But if he doesn't, I would say we're in good hands with Gavin. Well, LaShawn Williams behind him is a guy to also watch out for as well. Uh, he's a guy who I think has a lot of potential. Um, Ivory Kelly Martin could also be coming back for – what would be, I feels like he's been there for a decade at this point. I mean, he's basically our version of Mohammed Ibrahim back in Minnesota. Um, but the, run, the running game, I feel like, is in good hands even after Tyler Goodson leaves. I'm kind of getting back to some of the more traditional one-cut, pound the hole, find the hole, that kind of stuff. I want to mm-hmm. talk more about that and some of our younger guys as well. You mentioned Keegan Johnson maybe is the best wide receiver we have right now. But I do want to tell you all about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the market today. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, why not? You are missing out. Please let me know. DM me. Let me know why you aren't trying to build bar. And I will personally send you a box of built bars. I sent them over to LaShawn. LaShawn, you seem to like them. Mm-hmm. I personally love them. I eat them all the freaking time. The USA track and field team eats them. So clearly they're pretty good. And they're also so good for you. They have so many flavors. They're also low carb, low calorie, low fat, low sugar, and high in protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious. So many flavors, all amazing. Also, another thing about Built Bars, they have so many great flavors like coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry barcia. And they're coming out with new flavors every three to four days. So even if you tried it before, you might not have tried some of the new flavors coming out today. So go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. And you'll get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So I want to talk about the defense a little bit, but first – the younger guys, we mentioned Keegan Johnson might be one of the best wide receivers on this team. I, I would argue maybe, like you said, maybe the best wide receiver on this team. And it's not like it's a, a lacking talent wide receiver room, right? Charlie Jones is a good wide receiver. Nico Regani has had his spurts. Tyrone Tracy um, had an unbelievable redshirt freshman season with Amir Smith-Marset and Brandon Smith. Um, we've seen this happen in recent history. Amir Smith-Marset and Brandon Smith both played as true freshmen. But it feels like, and maybe this is just recency bias, Keegan Johnson looks more mature, more prepared, and is at a higher level than where we had Amir Smith-Marset and Brandon Smith at as true freshmen. Um, What are your thoughts on that? And also maybe even Arlen Bruce I would throw in there. Looks like he could at least be right in line with those guys, both NFL players at this point. What are your thoughts on all that? Yeah. um, I mean, Keegan is, I mean, he really is a phenomenal player. Uh, I think doesn't he have a, like a brother like it's in the NFL? I think. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's, yeah, he's playing South Dakota State, and now yeah, he's uh, yeah. I think he's on the practice squad, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So you know, obviously he's coming from a football family, and you know when I look at him out there, I mean, again, he's out there 
making contested catches, right? He's winning one-on-ones. He's breaking tackles. Um, you know, he's doing everything um, from a receiver standpoint that you want from, you know, a big-time uh, receiver and then some, right? I think uh, a lot of things that we've kind of touched on, you know, in past weeks is just his ability um, to run after the catch and how he's basically like a running back when he has the football in his hands, um, which, again, it's a huge weapon because um, when you have superstar receivers, those are things that they can do, right, when they can catch the football and do something after they catch it. So um, really, Keegan has put together the entire package, I think, at this point. Obviously, he's had drops, right? He had the big drop in the end zone um, yesterday, and he had – I know he had a drop for sure against Wisconsin. But, yep. again, those those come with, with young guys, right? But, you know, I love his ability that he has when – he does catch the football or even when he's given a chance just because I mean, he his with his speed and his strength um, and it's basically just his athleticism in general is really, really huge. Um, and it's something that, you know, hopefully we will continue to take advantage of um, because of that really ability that he has. And he has that that game breaking ability, which something, you know, as far as a receiver position is something that we really need. Um, to really help help our success. And and then obviously you got to give credit to, to Arlen Bruce as well, another young guy who does great things with the ball in his hands. Um, it's almost like, you know, they're trying to use him as almost like a hybrid, like mm-hmm. running back receiver type type guy. And um, he has that, that sort of build and does a great job, again, breaking tackles, um, you know, using his speed and agility to be able to get the edge and, um, you know, create mismatches. So, uh, I love the future when it comes to, you know, those two two guys in the receiver position. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we can continue to get more guys like that. So, yeah, could, couldn't agree more. Um, I want to highlight Arlen uh, on that end around. He's first of all, Monty Potterbaum had a phenomenal block. I mean, he was just owning the heck out of his guy. Uh, Keegan Johnson also had a nice little block as well. But there were two guys closing in on Arlen and he set them up. I mean, he kind of went inside just for a little bit and made them try to go get him. And he actually then went around Monty, and they couldn't get to him. that. Well. That's why he was able to break that tackle, because they weren't able to get a clean shot on him. And then also his um, ability to stay up, uh, low center of gravity, putting his hand on the ground to keep his balance, and then getting into the end zone. I mean, th- these are not true freshman plays. I mean, and, and Iowa doesn't like to rely on true freshmen, but uh, there was a lot of times in that game where – we had two wide receivers in, two wide receiver sets running, you know, 21 personnel. And we had Keegan and Arlen as the wide receivers. So, I mean, clearly the staff is, is really starting to rely on them. They are gaining the trust of that team. And it's mm-hmm. also worth noting that Alex Padilla has taken most of his snaps with those two guys because those mm-hmm. were the second string guys. So expect them to get more playing time and also have more opportunities as the season progresses, especially if we stick with Alex Padilla. Now, I mentioned – the tackling was not very good on Arlen Bruce, mostly because he set them up for that. Iowa's tackling was also subpar at best in this game. I mean, there were several times where Iowa could have stopped Northwestern on a third down, and they made some good plays. That Evan Hole touchdown. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> this when you think of Iowa, you think of you don't think of explosion, you don't think of explosive offenses, you don't think of putting up 45 points a game, you think of fundamentals, you think of we're going to run the ball. We're going to play sound defense. We're going to play great special teams. And when you think of fundamentals, you think of tackling. Um, what is going – I mean, it's been kind of an issue this year, I feel like. They have struggled against shifty running backs, 
decent running backs. Evan Hole is a good running back. Let's give him his credit where it's due. But Iowa struggled mightily tackling, especially in that second half. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a little frustrating um, to see because, I mean, I know we've had – there was a couple games, right, this year we've had trouble tackling. Like the Colorado State game comes to yeah. mind immediately. Um, and then, you know, obviously the Purdue and Wisconsin game games and then you know this week as well um it, it almost feels like the almost like the defense kind of lost their swag after during and really during that purdue game if we're being quite honest and it just feels yeah. like they just haven't been able to get back to it right i mean again yesterday we made a whole bunch of plays on defense right three interceptions um you know that's huge um from you know a team perspective anytime you can turn over the football no matter where it's at it's, it's big time um but it just feels like you know kind of like that swag and that juice is kind of faded away a little bit and um you know the defense is just almost it just doesn't they just haven't felt like how they felt like in earlier in the season um and you know i don't know what needs to be done to kind of get that get that back um hopefully you know creating all these turnovers yesterday is going to help um you know jolt them a little bit um but yeah it just really feels like you know tackling has just not been something that you know we've been really too detailed on lately and you know there's a lot of broken tackles like the one i'm thinking of specifically was when they it was like the fourth and one where first off the guy was short but yeah um whatever the guy was short but they had him like tackled like three yards in the backfield, yeah. right? There's like two guys that had him like tackled three yards in the backfield, breaks both those tackles. And then obviously give credit to that kid, right? For, you know, his effort and keeping his legs know, moving, but keeping still. his legs moving, but still, right. I mean, you got a guy, um, you know, dead to rights and, you know, he breaks through those tackles and is able to push forward and get a first down. And that's just something that I just can't, I just can't think of, you know, I was doing right. I mean, there's, there's few times where I've seen it, um, where things like that have happened, like right, the Big Ten championship game is the one that immediately comes to mind. Yeah. Every single time. <laughs> every time I see a play like that, I'm like, that's the Big Ten championship play. Um uh every single time. That play time. scars but, me. I can only imagine how much it scars you. I can it's literally like replays in my mind. Like from <laughs> my position, play POV on the sideline. I'm just like, oh my God. But um <laughs> that aside, right? I mean, that that's literally um you know, what I saw at that play and it's, and it's happened, you know, multiple times um, throughout this year um, where again, teams have created big plays from, you know, us just not finishing the tackles, right. You have the opportunity there. Um, so I don't know what we got to be able to do. What we got to do on the defensive side. Again, I'm not a defensive coach. I didn't play uh, defense at the <laughs> division one level, um, but, you know, figuring out, uh, you know, what we got to do on that side is what, we've got to make a change um, to make sure that we are making these tackles and are getting guys to the ground. Cause again, we got three teams left on the schedule who, um, you know, have won some big time ball games and have good players on the offensive end. So it's only going to be more and more important that, you know, we focus on that and, you know, really have that want to, and of going in there and wanting to make this tackle and secure the tackles. Cause again, not every play on defense is going to be a huge turnover play. So if we can keep our fundamentals up and make the routine plays, again, it's going to help us in these last three games. Absolutely. Um, especially, so the, the, like that fourth and one play, 
those are, I mean, I don't think people realize like how big of a momentum changer that almost seems to be, right? If you stop him in the backfield, not even, I mean, if he gets down at the fourth one, we, he, whatever, fine. But if you stop him in the back, the backfield three yards deep, I mean, that is a play that gets people pumped up. It gets people ready to roll. And on the flip side of that, when he breaks those tackles, gets that first down, that is a huge momentum swing in the opposite direction for Northwestern. It's just tough to deal with. Um, I would agree with you. I feel like the last three weeks, so we're finally, it feels like we kind of got some of it back maybe against Northwestern. Now, granted, Northwestern, a very bad pass-blocking team. Uh, Andrew Marty is only his second time of really playing extended snaps for Northwestern. He's probably their best quarterback, but still, the only second time. Um, Northwestern is not a good offense overall. But it felt like we got a little bit back, but you're absolutely right. It doesn't feel like – it feels like we're forcing things right now. We're really – we're yeah. pressing on the defensive side of the football. It'll be great to see what happens when Riley Moss comes back. I felt like Jamari Harris had a pretty good game overall, but Riley Moss is Riley Moss. There's a reason why he has been projected as a late second-round draft pick um, to this point by some NFL draft scouts. It'll be great to get him back in that starting lineup. I'm really excited about that. I do want to note, you know, this Northwestern team came in very good running attack. That's the only thing they really had going as a bright spot. Iowa held Evan Hole to 41 yard to 3.7 yard per carry average. Um, so overall, pretty good there um, in the rushing defense department. Uh, you mentioned the upcoming games. This is a weird slate of three games. Minnesota, I can't tell what's going on with Minnesota. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how you go to Illinois and lose. And then we get Illinois after that. Um, Illinois is really, really confusing me. Uh, it seems like when they have won, what they've done is they just say, you know what? We're rushing the football down your throat every single play with Chase Brown. Have fun. Try to stop us. And if it works, we're going to win this game. If it doesn't, we're screwed. And it's worked <laughs> against Minnesota. It worked against Penn State. Um, so that scares me a little bit for Iowa. And then Nebraska might legitimately be the best, the best three-win team I've ever seen. I mean, mm-hmm. they every by every advanced metric, they should be seven and two, six and three. I mean, like what Nebraska is a scary team. So, what are your thoughts on the remaining schedule? And also, how much do you hate Minnesota? Uh, you know, <laughs> I really can't stand them. And like, they have their all like the we hate Iowa thing, and it's just and it's annoying and like. First off, they'll like they'll like blast that like throughout the locker room the entire week. And it just really? drives me nuts. Like by the time you get to the end of the week, you're just like you're just so tired of hearing it hit. And then like every single year, you're always hearing about, oh, is this like, you know, like the best Minnesota team and this and yeah. that and all this stuff. And you know, really just really just can't can't stand it. Can't stand them. Um so that's Wait always a, a game. They really blast. We hate Iowa in the like Iowa. They'll do, like they'll do like their little like what year? I think it might have been 2015 and maybe 2016. Um, like they had like they'll like they were like playing like their like little hype video or whatever um throughout the locker room um and all this stuff and it was driving me nuts, driving me insane. Um, because you remember like in 2015, like the year before, they beat us by like 50. <laughs> um, so like uh they do whatever basically whatever you can like for, for really any rivalry week but especially like the minnesota and i know like the staff can't stand minnesota either uh so um basically do whatever they can to get us uh up and ready for that one for sure um so yeah how can't pissed off are you by the end of the week like are you like i'm gonna kill every minnesota player on this <laughs> yeah. team like let's roll yeah like you're like by the time 
you know, uh, practice over at Wednesday, you're just like, okay, like we got to get to Saturday, <laughs> like, <laughs> like now. Um, so you're, yeah. So we're always sick of Minnesota. Um, you know, we can't stand those guys. So granted we've, we've been beating them. Um, you know, we haven't lost to them since what 2014. So, yeah. um, you know, obviously got to keep that streak going. Uh, but yeah, I mean, these are good football teams that we have in front of us. Obviously Minnesota has great wins and they have terrible losses. Like the one Bowling yesterday, Green and Bowling Green, like <laughs> awful losses. Um, but, you know, again, they have a good football team. So we're obviously going to have to have a great week of great week of practice and show up on Saturday ready to roll because they're going to be ready to roll. Because, again, I think this is going to be like what the second or probably third class that hasn't beaten Iowa yet. So, like, they're going to be they're going to be, you know, juiced up and ready to go um, and try to come into Kinnick and, you know, get a huge win after dropping this one against Illinois yesterday. So, but yeah, yeah we, 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 we can't stand Minnesota at all. I love that. Does, uh, is Kirk as salty as he seems about PJ Fleck? I mean, uh, last year had some, <laughs> some drama, uh, <laughs> figured we'd leave the timeouts here and take, uh, take the pig with us. So, um, is, is he as salty as it seems about Minnesota? I mean, it feels like he also doesn't like Minnesota and also maybe hates PJ Fleck. Uh, yeah. So, I don't really know as much about the PJ Fleck, um, but I guess uh, uh, like how he feels to him as as much. Um, so I want to say I don't even know if PJ Fleck was was he there when I don't think he was, was there. there. When I don't you think were he there. was. It was probably the year after, right? Twenty seventeen mm-hmm. was his first year there. Um, I think I think so. But you know, all, all I know that he just he can't stand Minnesota. Every every single time we play Minnesota, you know, we have our team meeting, um our team meetings like before, like at the beginning of the week and all this stuff. And he'll go on tangents about, you know, Minnesota and all this stuff. And then like, you know, we always, you always like play like highlight tapes or like clips from like old years of us playing Minnesota. It's like, you know, this is what Iowa football looks like and this and that when we play, when we play Minnesota and all this stuff. So yeah, he, he's definitely a guy who doesn't like Minnesota and really none of the staff does. Obviously, I know coach Brian doesn't, um like minnesota at all because again same household so it kind of carry carries through and i think it um you know permeates through the rest of the coaching staff as well so yeah yeah it's it's always a always a good one do you um i'm kind of getting off subject here but do you feel like having so many people on this staff that understand the iowa and played for iowa and have been a part of this program for so long also helps even more so make these rivalries rivalries even more important. I mean, like you look at uh Lavar, you look at Brian Fair. I mean, like, there's a lot of guys on the staff who have been a part of this team for a long time. Do you feel like that helps as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, because I mean it's it, I feel like it's just like easier for them to speak, you know, to the players and speak to the guys like, hey, like when, when I was playing, um, you know, which wasn't too too long ago, right? You know, you know, 15, 20 years ago, like it was still the same. Like we still couldn't stand these guys. Um, you know, this was always a game that we you know, were always ready for, always really excited for. Anytime you have a rivalry game and you have a trophy um, to be able to go up and win is always a huge opportunity. And, you know, when the coaches can speak from their own experience and of being in these rivalry games against a specific team, playing for the team that you're playing for, um, it definitely helps, uh, I feel like, a little bit. Um, I love it, man. Oh, that's super cool. Um, so final, final, we got way, I got way off topic on, <laughs> on everything here. Uh, last question for you. And then I want to see if you have anything to say about the, the, the game, um, Ryan field, 
Uh, do you have any horror stories about how bad Ryan Field is? And also, what was the percentage of fans yesterday, Iowa versus Northwestern? Because, I mean, there's a lot of Iowa fans that live in Chicago. Northwestern doesn't have a big fan base. What are your thoughts on all that? Uh, I'll answer that one first. First, it was like 70-30 Iowa fans. It was ridiculous. I don't know how they have – how they even host home games. Like, it, it's literally the entire, uh, you know, opposing team, like, every single time. And, yeah, most of the people there are Iowa fans. Um, and then I don't have any horror stores. I only played there once. And technically, I didn't even play because I was uh, that was back in 2015 and I was still dealing with the high ankle sprain. I dressed, but I didn't play. Um, and that was the game where Jordan got injured, um, like early in the game. And then, you know, Akram and uh, D Mitch went off uh, that Saturday. So, uh, I don't have any, you know, horror stories from, from that field, really. I mean. The, the grass is weird. The grass is like high. It's it's not like low cut. And it's just, I don't know. It's it's, it's almost like reminding me like a high school stadium. Um, you know, really, it's it's I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird place. Small locker room. I don't really have anything positive to honestly say about there. Um, like there in Purdue are probably like the worst, hands down, like the worst stadiums in the Big Ten. They're both terrible. Um, the fields are both bad. Um, but no, I don't have any horror stories. I mean, the one time we did play there, we won by like 30. So, like, <laughs> I don't have any complaints uh, about there at all. So, Love it, man. Um, and any final thoughts? I, I we I digressed us significantly. Any final thoughts on the Iowa-Northwestern game before we wrap up? No, I mean, um, you know, I think, obviously, like, on the defensive side of the football, we got to get some of our swagger back. Um, you know, hopefully that, you know, after our performance yesterday is going to help us get that back and hopefully carry it for the last three weeks. Um, I know special teams-wise, you know, Coach Woods is probably giving the punt team, you know, an earful today about having that blocked punt. So I know that that's going to be shared up away. And then, you know, I'm just anxious to see what we're going to do on the offensive end. Um, uh, I think uh, Spencer had to have been hurt um, in dealing with stuff. So it's looking like it's probably going to be Alex's show. Um you know, for the rest of the year. So I'm anxious to see how does that change our play calling? How does that change, um, you know, us getting our skill guys involved in, in, in the football game outside of Tyler. Um, so um, I'm anxious, really anxious to see that moving forward, but you know, that's, that's really all I got. So I was excited for this next week, you know, rivalry week, always huge. Um, so hopefully we'll come out, you know, rocking and rolling and, you know, as always go Hawks. Hell yeah, man. Couldn't agree more. It'll be very interesting to see what happens throughout this week. Kirk already said he's going to look back at the tape, see what he wants to see in terms of Alex versus Spencer. I don't know how you don't make the choice to at least try Alex. And you can put it under the guise of Spencer being injured. He is injured, but you can say he's maybe a little bit more banged up. Give Alex a chance. So that way you're not putting as much pressure on Spencer there. Um, Regardless, anyone out there listening to this, uh, don't be hating on Spencer. Uh, He... (laughs) He has sat back in the pocket and gotten just the living hell beaten out of him this entire year. And he's set up and against the media and is talking and, and been honestly incredibly mature in his approach throughout the last two years. And he's led Iowa to a lot of great wins. So um, even if we are excited about Alex, which I think we both are, we're excited about what that potential is for the Iowa offense. Um, that's no reason to hate on Spencer Petrus. Uh, he's still a young adult 
playing college football at a high level. So anyways, that is that is my rant for the day, LaShawn. As always, it is a pleasure uh, talking about Iowa football. Um, apologies for digressing us significantly, but I enjoyed how much you hate Minnesota. Uh, that gets me pumped up for this game as well. And as always, Hawkeye Nation, make sure to tune into the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast Monday through Friday. You can also get more Big Ten news by tuning into the Locked On Big Ten podcast with Nate Dickinson. He brings on guests every single day, so you can find that wherever you get our podcast at as well. Have a fantastic Sunday, and even better rest of your weekend and a week upcoming. And as always, let's go Hawks.